Remain standing for a gospel lesson, if you would. Would you reach down, grab your Bibles, and turn with me to Luke 24? If you are using a, on a maroon pew Bible, that, that passage is on uh, page 885 in your pew Bibles. It's uh, part of Luke 24, Luke's account of uh, this amazing, this most glorious event, the resurrection. And I'm really enjoying um, dabbling in the different gospel writers' accounts of this amazing event. But we're going to pick it up, um, not with the resurrection story, which we experienced last week, but with the, the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And that's um, beginning at verse 13. Would you follow along with me as I read? That very day, of course, that day being resurrection day, the first day of the week, Easter Sunday, two of them... Two disciples were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about the things that had happened. Actually, the word there is much stronger than talking. They were arguing together about the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Look at this line. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him. And there's a little bit of irony in this. Are are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and, and, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him In other words, Jesus they did not see. And Jesus spoke to those two. He said, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, Emmaus, and he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is evening, and the day is now far spent. And so Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. 
And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road, when he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose. This is in late evening now. They rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found, this is Sunday night, Easter Sunday night. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. The eleven were already rejoicing that the news had come, that, that God had appeared, that Jesus had appeared. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. How he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the very word of God. Oh, thanks be to God. Please be seated and keep your Bibles out for a second. You might want to stick a finger or bookmark in that page and... Um, Turn over to our New Testament lesson from the epistles here. Now we're still where we were last week. We were in Romans 10. And uh, on the Red Pew Bible, the Maroon Pew Bible, it's on page 946. I want to put a little bit more context around our memory verse last week and give you a new memory verse for um, this week. Um, But let's pick up the story. Now Paul's explanation of the critical nature of what we believe about the resurrection as he tells that story. I'm going to pick up in the middle of a conversation just for time's sake, but follow with me Romans 10:8, would you? He's talking about, you know, what does righteousness say? What does Moses say? What does the word of God say? It says the word is near to you in your mouth, if you confess with your mouth and in your heart. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right? You will be saved. For with one, with the heart, one believes and is justified. Someone takes your place by that, that transaction of your heart. And with the mouth, one confesses, one agrees with God and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone... Not most people, not some people. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For, and here's a powerful verse on the Romans road, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But look at this. How does this happen? This is going to be important for our discussion today. How does this happen? How then... Well, they call on him in whom they've not believed. Not going to happen, right? And how will they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone proclaiming it to them? Uh, ESV has preaching, but it's, it's don't picture preaching like in Sunday morning. It's proclaiming this news. Wherever you are, it's proclaiming this news. And how are they going to proclaim Unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim or preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And would you say our memory verse with me as we conclude this? So faith comes from hearing And hearing through the word of Christ. Would you say that one more time? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, my goodness. Well, wow. Such a wonderful season. Uh, Both uh, after an amazing winter 
and the challenges of a winter to see the gorgeous beauty of spring come here, but especially to, um, thank you so much, whoever gave me that, thank you, um, to see especially this, this amazing opportunity. There's, there's something fresh in the air, and the, the freshness in the air is not from, from the, the angle of our planet in relationship to the sun. The freshness in the air is because there's amazing news out there that, that Christ has overcome sin, that Christ has overcome disease, that Christ has overcome even death, even death. And, and, and there's this, this hope out there that, that we can put our weight down on, but, but if you're like me, you're a little tenuous sometimes because you feel like, I need to protect God from, from messing up, and so I'm not going to risk believing some things about God because if they turn out not to be true, I'll be so disappointed in it, right? And, and I challenged you last week, don't worry about that. God has very broad shoulders. He can handle, he can handle your fears. He can handle your doubt. He can handle your pain. I was thinking about resurrection. I was recognizing there's, there's three big consequences of, of sin. Are there not? There, there is guilt. There's guilt. And that's this dissonance within us. It says something is not right. And we've talked before, there can be good guilt and there can be bad guilt. There can be guilt over something that, that you have no responsibility for and that is not yours to heal. That's false guilt. But there's also this gift of God in saying something's not right. Something's not right. And, and, and I love you enough to let you know about it. Have you noticed how, um, how Western culture is really a guilt-based culture? It's, there's several consequences of sin, but, but uh, Western culture especially is good at guilt. And, and some of us have perfected it to an art, right? Uh, it, our culture is really good at guilt. But another consequence of 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 sin is fear. And we've seen that a lot, haven't we, uh, over the last few weeks? How many times, 365 times, did Jesus say, don't be afraid? When our relationship with God is broken through sin, one of the consequences of that is that we're afraid. And over and over again, we'll see it again today, over and over again, uh, God speaks to his people and says, don't be, don't be fear-based. Be faith-based. Don't be fear-based. But it's interesting to me that, that several Portions of our globe are particularly, uh, I think especially of the Caribbean, uh, are, are particularly vulnerable to fear. Uh, portions of, of Africa are particularly vulnerable to fear. And, and many of my friends who have, have been involved with uh, uh, even adopting people from Africa say, well, there's so much fear we have to overcome. And it's, it's fear based on falsehood. It's fear based on idols. It's, it's fear based on syncretism and sin. Uh, but, but they're so vulnerable to it. And, Maybe, maybe you're like me, and you're vulnerable to guilt, and you're vulnerable to, to fear as well. But I'm really conscious here, and we heard it in our scripture, that, um, that many parts of our globe uh, are vulnerable to a third consequence of sin, and that is this consequence of shame. This consequence of shame. Remember the garden? <laughs> where are you, Adam? Where are you? Eve, and they were hiding, you know, um, Ashamed, ashamed, and there, and especially in in uh, Asia uh, and eastern portions of our globe, compared to to the United States, um, the shame-based culture, to the point where people, for fear of shame, will commit suicide. They cannot handle the shame. All of that's a consequence of of uh, uh, sin and brokenness. That's why it's so critical that we that we hear God's word speak to us. That we that we find tools to help us overcome 
this, this consequence of sin. It's so important that we come to know Christ. Well, how do we do that? Um, uh, we saw last week how uh, it, was, it was amazing, but, but God chose to speak to, to these women who came expecting Jesus to be dead. Again, last week, if you weren't with us, we, we said everybody thought that he would be in that tomb. It was the third day, but everyone thought he would be in that tomb, including these women, and, and they encountered this angel with this amazing news. We didn't tell the part of the story, but... but uh, in other Gospels, we recount how Mary actually encountered Jesus and, and, and saw him. We did tell that part of the story, how, how, how they clasped his feet. I want to just note real quick that um, when you, I, I have this wonderful tool, which is all the Gospels side by side. So when, what it says here in Mark, it says right next to that in Luke and, and, and Matthew and John on the ends. And, and it's so much fun to see when you put the whole story together. But if you put the whole story together, there were three Marys there at the tomb uh, that day. Um, there had been three Marys at the cross, but they were different Marys. <laughs> and, and, uh, and at the tomb that Easter Sunday morning, there is, is uh, Mary, who is uh, Mary Magdalene, who we've encountered, and her life was transformed by the grace of God. There's this Mary, the mother of, of uh, uh, Joseph or of James, might be both of them, uh, uh, at, the, at the tomb as well. And there's Mary, the mother of uh, John and James. I want to stop for a second and say family is really important. There's amazing connections. You know, I'm come, I come from California, and nobody's related to anybody in California, right? Everybody's a transplant, right? And when, when you're looking for a job, you leave. You leave witness where I am. You leave. You go somewhere else to find that job. And so it's weird for me to come to, to the Midwest where oftentimes you have multiple generations in the same place. And, and, and that was the culture of, of uh, Israel at that time. There's multiple generations. And of course, who would you go to when you first said, I've got life transforming truth? You would go to your brothers and sisters. You would go to your, to your parents. And so it's really interesting to see how many mothers of disciples were involved. How many wives of disciples were involved here? Well, um, the, we began our story today with saying that day. So Easter Sunday, uh, despite what the angels had said, tell if we put all the stories together, tell the disciples I will meet them in in Galilee, and, and you guys wait here in Jerusalem, picking up Luke, you'll wait here in Jerusalem until power has come upon you. Despite that instruction, very simple instruction from the angel, two disciples are making their way uh, to Emmaus. They're leaving. They're leaving. And I'm, I'm making a federal case out of something that I might be rebuked for later, but I'm wondering why are they leaving in light of the instructions? Why are they leaving? Not going north to Galilee, but they're going west to uh, Emmaus. Emmaus, by the way, is, is an amazing place. Um, why, why does the Bible say where they were going? Well, Emmaus was where an amazing battle took place 200 years before Resurrection Day. Amazing battle took place. In fact, it's listed on the greatest, 50 greatest battles of all time. You're going, what? <laughs> what? The Battle of Emmaus? You, you, Anne's looking at me like, this is a joke, right? I'm waiting for the punchline. It's not. It's not. Uh, uh, it, uh, Emmaus was where Judas Maccabeus uh, took on the Romans 
and freed Israel. Not, I'm going to go further. Not just freed Israel from the oppression of the Romans at one, the battle was actually 166 B.C., uh, but, the, um, but, but actually saved Israel. Saved. They could have been ex- uh, annihilated. The, the nation could have become extinct. So it's just amazing, amazing battle. How do we know that? Because there's, how many other Judases do you see? How many Judases were there within the twelve? There were two. There were two Judases within the twelve. How many Simons were they? Within the twelve, there were two. Why this popular men's name? Because Judas, Maccabeus, freed them. He was the military leader. And Simon, Maccabeus, his brother, became the ruler of the Hasmonean kingdom. So, so this powerful place, this power where freedom had been, had been uh, experienced, where it had been won, uh, they're making their way there. And the Bible tells us they're making their way. Um, it's hard to tell because there's, you're not sure, uh, is it 160 stadia or 60? But we're going to assume that it's about seven miles from, from Jerusalem. And they're making their way there. And they're discussing very intently. Well, well, who are these disciples, real quick? We've seen one of their names, haven't we? Anybody remember it? Catch it? Yeah. Cleopas, or one uh, other variant in another gospel says Clopas, or Cleopas. Yeah, yeah, one of them. And so, so he's one of those many that heard that report. And, and Luke, it's just the previous verses. We didn't read it. He's one of the many people that heard that report. And, and so, so he's leaving knowing that he heard this report. And, and it's interesting that it doesn't tell us who the other person was that was, that was traveling with him. And, and I was looking at a commentary this morning, and the commentary said these two men were traveling north, but nowhere does it tell us that they're two men. Um, uh, it's a patriarchal culture, and so um, uh, uh, we kind of assumed that it was, but, but we forget over and over again that, that there were many women with Jesus who followed Jesus, that were disciples of Jesus. He chose to reveal himself first to women there, and one of them was named Mary. And in the account of the crucifixion, we learn that Mary had a husband. And Mary, the mother of, of James and Joseph, had a husband. Guess what his name was? You're not going to believe this. You know already. Dang, I was hoping to surprise you. Guess what his name was? Anybody get it? Cleopas. I don't know. When I, went, when I began studying this passage, I wanted it so bad to be Peter because it would fit so cool into our series. And it wasn't. When they came back, Peter was in the upper room. I don't know who this was for sure, but they were arguing on the way, so I'm pretty darn sure it was the wife and the husband. <laughs> That's a really poor way to do exegesis. But I don't, I don't know. It's very possible that it was. And, and it makes sense. So just understand this right off the bat. I'm in speculation territory right here for a moment. Um, but why would they be arguing so vehemently? Because she was there with the angel. And now they're leaving Jerusalem. Right? You see how that could be a problem? Um, and now they're leaving. And suddenly there's somebody walking along them. Along them. And, and he says, you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> I could hear you a half mile away. What, what are you talking about? And, and Cleopas stops and, and, and is pretty sarcastic and says, are you the only one who doesn't know the events that have happened in Jerusalem? And, and Jesus kind of innocently says, um, what things? <laughs> you know, look what he's doing, beloved. He's saying, tell us your story, right? Tell us your story. 
and Cleopas is glad to do that. Uh, uh, people, uh, my father loves to tell stories, right? So, so he he will tell you the same story, and he knows he's telling you the same story, but he says, I love to tell the story, right? You've got to write a hymn. That would be really cool. Um, and, and, and Cleopas says, wow, here's somebody that hasn't heard. He gets to tell the story, and he tells this amazing story. He does what we talked about last week. He tells the story of the resurrection. But, but there's a problem, right? He told that story, and he's leaving. And, 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 and Jesus says, oh, foolish one. Slow of heart to believe. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus does something amazing here. This is going to be important. Remember how I celebrated last week that, that many of us uh, still struggle to put our weight down on, I mean, I understand the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I share with you that God doesn't, doesn't judge you for that. But, but, but Jesus gives you and me another tool here now, and it's an important one. He says, oh, oh uh, foolish ones, slow of heart, and to believe what? All that the scriptures have said concerning the Son. I'm afraid I'm not going to forget it later, so let me just say it right here. And that is, um, you can know amazing things about Jesus by talking to him. Right? And, and the Marys, as they encountered Jesus after the tomb, talked to him. Talk to him, and you say, "Well, I'd love to talk with him. Just let me talk with Jesus, would you? Let's just stop what we're doing and talk to him. Let's do. Pray with me. God, thank you that any day, any moment of our lives, we can experience what those Marys experienced in the garden. We can worship you. We can speak." To you, we can talk to you about our fears, about our shame, about our guilt. We can hear you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, and God, should you choose even audibly, we can hear you speak to us. Oh, I God, thank you for this gift of prayer. Help us, God, to listen for your voice. Even now, I ask in Jesus' name, Amen. You have this gift, beloved, of any time, anywhere, anyhow, talking talking with Jesus. But he's, at, he's giving you another gift today. And, and, and he said, slow, uh, slow of heart to believe what? What all the scriptures have said about him. There's not a division between the Old Testament. It's not like this wrathful, vengeful God back there and, and now this, this, this gracious cosmic muffin. You know, now um, it's one and the same. And, and Jesus is saying that, that all those scriptures... Some of you had a chance to look at a few of them this morning. All those from Genesis uh, through the, the, the Torah, through the historical books, through the Psalms and the wisdom literature, through especially the prophets, all from Genesis 3 to Malachi 3 are all pointing to him. And, and, and we see in the story that, that, um, that Jesus has opened those scriptures to them. And later they would talk about it, right? They said, we're not our hearts burning within us. They're going, yes, yes, I get it. I get it. And, and they got to Emmaus, so they've been a seven-mile walk together, and Jesus looks like he's going to keep going. We've seen that several times. We saw that on the water. Jesus was going to pass by, right? He was going to keep going. And they said, no, stay with us. Stay with us. And, and, and they invite him into their home. Another reason, just this is Dave again, but another reason I think that might have been Cleopas and his wife. They just invited him into their home. 
and they and they broke bread and and it, and it says Jesus gave thanks, right? And 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 we think about the eleven all the time, but there were many disciples with him. Very likely, Cleopas had seen him do this. And and in the breaking of the bread, they experienced Jesus. Their eyes were opened. I don't know why they couldn't uh, they couldn't see him before. The scripture is unclear. It says they were kept from seeing him. Well, why were they kept from seeing him? I want to suggest to you that, that it could be that they were kept because they didn't expect to see him. So our expectations about God can, can keep us from actually experiencing God. Unfortunately, also, our, our prejudgments or prejudices can also keep us from experiencing God. Not, now, not hopeful expectations, but, but fearful prejudices can keep us from experiencing God as well. Uh, I don't know if it was their expectations or their prejudices or some other aspect of them. I also know very clearly that it could have been God who was keeping them from, from seeing him. And you say, why in the world would he do that? We've seen that very many, several times, haven't we? Such as some I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not hear, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. And we got blasted by that scripture one time. But very possibly they were kept by God from hearing so that you and I could hear this story today. So that you and I could also come to understand that there's not a a bifurcation between the Old and New Testament, but that the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to point (coughs) to Jesus. And the whole purpose of the historical books and the prophetic books in the New Testament is to point back to Jesus. Jesus is the issue. The resurrection is the issue. And when he broke bread for them, their eyes were open. And, 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 and <laughs> this sounds like a bad movie, like a B movie. Then Jesus, and boom, he's gone. You know, <laughs> rats. Rats, oh, what I would have asked him if I would have just realized that it was Jesus. Oh, what I would have done if I would have just realized, beloved, it is Jesus. We can do that right now. We don't have to snap our fingers. Um, we, we can talk with Jesus. We can learn about Jesus right now. This is the season of grace. This is the time to come to know him. I want to just point out three things. I didn't tell you that up front because you said that's 12 things, Pastor Dave, um, that are really important in this sharing of the gospel. I don't, I've shared with you many times, I don't understand why God did it this way. But Jesus is right now at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us that we would share the gospel. And I want to say that there's three really important aspects of the gospel for us to know. The first is the event, right? And you say the event. gospel is much larger than any single event, but this event we've seen the last two weeks is absolutely critical. What is the event that we must share? Pardon me? The resurrection, right? The resurrection. Why? Why? First Corinthians 15, we saw last week, says that, that uh, I'm passing on to you that which I've also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that, that he was buried according to the scriptures, and that on the third day he was raised according to to the scripture, the event, the resurrection is so important because in the resurrection, God breaks the power of sin. 
the power of guilt, the power of shame, the, the power of sin over us. It's absolutely, the event's absolutely important. But the explanation, there's the second E for you, that the explanation of the event is important too. It's not enough to say, do you believe in the resurrection? You have to understand what the resurrection was for. That God did that to set us free, right? But I can know all about the event and even know the explanation and still not experience it. And we've all been there, right? We've all heard and many of us have proclaimed testimony that we knew the person didn't believe. <laughs> How did that work for you, right? Oh, this car has uh, 400,000 miles on it and, and it'll go another 20 years, right? Um, Good. Let me have your car and you take that one. Okay. Um, we've all been there and we've all heard it and we've all done it, honestly. And, and so the third and critical aspect of the resurrection is have you experienced the resurrection? I know that God can do wonderful things. Several of us, some of my triad were talking last week about the woman at the well and, and how we're never told that she believed, but she did go back to Sychar and, and said, could this be the Messiah? She didn't say, I believe this is the Messiah. She said, could it be? And the whole city came out and, and believed in the Messiah. Um, all I know is, is if, if you know in your head and never experience in your heart, you, are, you among all people are to, be, are to be pitied because there's so much power. There's so much joy. and There's so much for you in the experience of it. When was it in, in that evening in Emmaus that, that they realized who it was that was before them, that their eyes were open? It was in the experience, right? In the experience of the meal. I don't want to separate experience from truth. Uh, don't, don't hear that the event's not important, that the explanation of the event's not important. Don't hear that. But by the same token, you can have all the knowledge of truth in the world and not experience it yourself. That's why I think he said you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and, and enter into the experience by confessing with your mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord. As your Lord. Now the last aspect I, wanna, I just want to invite you to is the proclamation of it. What did... Um, what did Cleopas and the other disciple, whether it was his wife or, or someone else, what did they do when they experienced Jesus? Uh, and the, uh, how was it? You ran 10 miles, was that Friday or Saturday, um, getting ready for that race, and you're my hero in that regard, Kristen. Um, I, I ran 10 miles too, but then I woke up after that. And, um, they were seven, at least seven miles out there. Some people put it twice that distance. I, I'm going to go with the seven miles. It was evening. They were tuckered from that seven-mile walk and from all the arguing and from all the, the, the serious uh, exegesis they were doing there. And, and when they heard, when they realized what had happened, what did they do? They put on their Adidas and they trucked it back to Jerusalem. And they came busting in the door, ready, ready to say, guess what? And everybody else was going, guess what? And they're going, oh my goodness, look at this. Look at this, it's true. It's true and it's worthy of our trust. It is worthy of our trust. 
And the Bible says, Luke continues, we didn't read that part of the story, that then Jesus appeared among them that Sunday night and, and, and showed them his hands and feet, right? And broke bread with them there. And they all experienced what Cleopas and the other disciple experienced. Oh, beloved, I want you so bad to experience this. Why? Because there are so many people that trust you and respect you and, and you, you carry so much weight with them. Might be people in your family. Might be workers who've been watching you, watching your life. It might be neighbors. It, uh, but people are watching you and, and, and your life speaks. Your life proclaims one way or another. Let's proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's do it with our lives, certainly, and let's do it with our mouths. Because how are they going to ever believe if they don't hear, right? And how, Romans 10, are they going to hear if nobody proclaims it? And, and we didn't read it, but he goes on to say, how can somebody proclaim it unless somebody sends them? In Jesus' name, disciples of Jesus Christ, I charge you, proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the event. Proclaim the explanation. Proclaim the experience of the resurrected Jesus. And, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against you. Pray with me, would you? Thank you so much, uh, Jesus. We don't always understand your ways, but we've come to trust them. And we've come to believe that you never do anything by accident. Just like not one a word of your uh, of the scriptures is wasted. We've come to believe that not one word of it is redundant either. There's always more information. And so I pray that the gospel would set us free to proclaim today, to proclaim the truth that, that Christ has died for our sins and he was buried according to the scriptures and that God raised him from the dead to validate everything he said, everything he lived, to validate everything we've hoped. So God, I pray today that, it, that you would help us understand this resurrection, that you would help us be able to articulate it and the meaning to the Cleopases and their wives. But God, especially, I pray that you would help us to experience the risen Christ today in this, your gift to us, this simple bread and this simple juice. Make them, would you, God, the sacrament? Make them a holy moment today where we physically experience what we have by faith uh, put our trust in, where we experience the presence of Christ. And Lord, I know that that will be enough. I know for all the divine appointments you have set for us between now and the time we're together again, I know that that will be enough because you are enough, Jesus. We love you. And we invite you to be present in the sacrament in Jesus' name. Amen. Our servers, please come forward. Again, we're going, to receive, uh, we're going to receive the sacrament today by intention, which means if you're able, that we invite you to come, beginning with those of you in the back, to come and to receive the bread and to take it and to dip it in the cup and then to, um, and then to experience uh, the sacrament of the Lord Jesus. Uh, go ahead and sit first, just a second. As you do that, we just invite you to put your hand on the people that are right in front of you and just bless them. Just be praying for the people in front of you. We invite you to stay and remain after, after um, you have received the elements and pray for the person right behind you.
Uh, just, just, just be present with them, and then, and then if you would return to your seats. Remember Jesus. There's just Thursday night, a week ago Thursday. I said I so long to share this meal with you. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, as we just did, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took that fourth cup of redemption and said, Hmm, let's let's do it again. Let's renew the covenant that you broke. This is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And Paul says, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you've heard me say it so many times, haven't you? What do you do? What are you doing when you drink this cup and eat this bread? You proclaim. You proclaim the Lord's death, resurrection, until he comes 